Hello, everyone, and welcome to this special edition of the Soul Survivor podcast. Uh, we're recording on Sunday today. I'm your host, Dylan Bird, along with my co-hosts, Ryan Winthrop and Jordan Heffler. And we do have a special guest on today to join us, Dominic Abate from Season 36, Ghost Island. How are you today, Dom? What's going on, guys? Thanks Excited. for having me. Yeah. Um, it's funny. I haven't done any podcasting in a while. Um, kind of taking a break from it, you know. But you shot me a message, and I don't know why. I was like, oh, Penn State. Yeah, that's yeah, a good school. There we go. I think I actually won a bunch of money betting Penn State this year, so it left okay. a good taste in my mouth. <laughs> <laughs> um, but I also have um, – is this the Penn State like near Harrisburg? Isn't there like a few campuses? Yeah, we're, we're, we're main campus. Main so campus it's near Harrisburg. Near Harrisburg. So I actually have friends that live close to there in the Mechanicsburg area. Okay. Oh, very cool. Yeah. So, uh, yeah. Um, yeah. So, like I said, I haven't done anything like this in a while. Um, and it's weird for me because uh, Wendell's on this season who I played with. And I'm just like, I don't know that I want to like critique anything this season. I just want to sit back and enjoy it. Let it be what it is. You know what I mean? But there's so much good stuff to talk about. Right. Like, how do you not? how do you not get into it? So I was like, all right, I think I could do this for sure. Um, so yeah, so here we go. Yeah. Each, each week when we have been recording our recap podcasts, we've just been like, there's so many tangents that we go on all the time just cause there is so much to talk about. Right. Yeah. 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 And that's what happens, right? You start getting on one topic and the next thing you know, you're, you're supposed to, you, you start these things with a structure and it just never works out. <laughs> but uh, real quick, I'm curious. Like I said, I was, I, I know your listeners know who you guys are. Yeah. But tell me who you guys are, just so I know who I'm talking to, because I like to always know who I'm talking to. Yeah, so I'm Dylan. Uh, I, I'm, a, I'm a Penn State also, so me and, me and Jordan are roommates, actually. Okay. And, and you're Ryan, both seniors? You know, uh, yeah, we're seniors, and Ryan graduated Penn State uh, last two, well, two years ago, but had a five-year thing, so he was here last year also. Nice. And where do you live now, Ryan? I'm from Long Island. I'm from your stomping grounds down Long Island. <laughs> look at you. Hey, are you there now? I'm in Long Island right now, yeah. Oh, look at that. I should have came to your house. We could have done this the right way. <laughs> I, I would have loved that, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Where on Long Island are you? Uh, Dick's House. Okay, you're like 15 minutes from me, 20 minutes. Uh, I'm in Smithtown. There we go. You're right yeah, there. Not, and, I'm, and I'm from Plainview, so I'm, I'm oh, from there also. Yeah, so when you're home for the holidays, we'll just go out and do it nice. I yeah, of course. <laughs> So, oh, so you were, I was going to say, so why weren't you at any of my watch parties in Smithtown? But I guess you were at school at the time. Yeah. Well, if you have any more, Dom, I would love to show up. So. Well, I'm not, I think it's weird for uh, past players to have watch parties when they're not on the season. A lot of people do it, believe it or not. But I don't know. I just don't have it. I don't have the energy to do it. When I played my season, it was fun to do it. It really was. But you're hyped because you're on a show and, you, you know, you. You want to show everyone your chops, you know, you want to look how good I am in this moment. But it's a scary thing, too, because you have no idea what they're going to air. You know what I mean? So you go into it excited. You have you got to remember, I have young kids. So when I had a watch party, I did it at this place called Napper Candies in Smithtown. Big room we had. I think we had about 300 of us. And a lot of them were kids because my 
my kids' friends and their parents would come. I remember their principal was there and like the nurse was there. Wow. So I'm like scared to death because I know I had some not great moments when I played the game. You know what I mean? But luckily, the producers were good to me and the editing team was good to me. And for the most part, they left kind of my my not so great moments on the side. You know what I mean? And I, luckily, I, I, no one, I, there was nothing I could say on my season that like I, I'm ashamed of or my kids are like, oh, dad, that's terrible. So I, I got out clean. I can't say the same for everyone that plays the game. Some people are, you know, not looking so hot on TV. But uh, yeah, it worked out for me. So. And it, and it didn't hurt that he did so well also. Yeah. That helps. That helps. <laughs> that helps. Sure. Yeah. But uh, yeah, to, to fire off my first question that I have for you. So just want to know, what are your general thoughts on this season as three episodes in? Um, and who do you think is playing the best game in your opinion so far? Um, it's, it's, it is very early, so it's hard to really determine what's going on. Um, you see some stuff, but there's a lot you're not seeing, you know what I mean? So it's really hard to see like what the actual core foundation of each tribe is doing at this point. I thought up to this week, Adam was doing phenomenal. Yeah. Uh, And he is, I think he's really been such good TV. Remember the first time Adam played, he had to deal with his mom being sick. So he was like playing a very structured game. And I feel like you could really see the difference in this game for him where he's loosened up quite a bit and he's really letting go and having fun with it. So that's really been nice to watch. So I thought he was doing really well up to this point. But now it looks like he's playing both sides. And I think you could see Jeremy and Michelle don't like that he's playing both sides. But at the same time, they don't want the old schoolers to take control of their tribe. So they did the greatest thing ever. They made sure they had the numbers. They got rid of an old schooler. But at the same time, they kind of left Adam in the dark. So I was I was impressed by that. So I think that Michelle, Jeremy, uh, I guess Ben is involved in that as well. Uh, the three of them seem to be doing good. The other tribe keeps winning, so you don't see any real like leadership dynamic taking place. You know what I mean? So that's how it is. It's all kumbaya when you're winning. As soon as there's a loss and now you have to vote someone out, that's when you're going to see the claws come out and the blood start to pour. You know what I mean? So right now the Wendell's tribe, and I don't know the names of the tribes, forgive me, but uh, I think the tribe that Wendell's on and they're all winning on that side. I feel like they're doing very well. So no one's really has to do anything that dramatic at this point. It's just a team that keeps losing where you're going to start to see some real drama. Yeah. I think you bring up a good point, Dom. I think with the Michelle and Jeremy contingent going to vote out Adam, I'm sorry, going to vote out um, Ethan. Ethan, it's a good move because I do think it weakens the old schoolers of Robin Parvati, but I think you also leave Adam out of the vote and you weaken his, you know, ability to go back and forth. And I think actually one thing that's not reported on is that I believe Adam and Ethan are, you know, closer than the show lets on. So it probably is another move to strategically weaken Adam as well. Oh, yeah. I I didn't even think of that, but that is probably the case. Mm -hmm. So and they and that's the other thing that you're dealing with this season that you don't deal with every other season of these all these networked past relationships that they have in life. And I know because now I'm going to like charity events and I'm throwing parties and all these survivor people are coming. And I'm like, oh, my God, what if I ever go back on the show? Am I going to get, you know, ousted for knowing other players now? So I'm like, it's something to think about, but it shouldn't be the case, you know, because what I try to tell people over and over again, like, like Wendell called me before the season. He's like, Dom, I'm getting, I'm hearing things that people are pre-gaming like, I'm hearing things. I hear that 
this one is having a conversation with that person and that person's having a conversation with this person. He's like, I think I got to, I can't be the only one not doing it. And I'm like, no, no, no. Be the only one not doing it. Be huh? the low hanging fruit that if everyone on the, in the game or on the tribe knows that you're a free agent, you're safe. Don't be a target because you have a relationship with this person or that person. Sit back. Let them all do that nonsense. You be the guy that walks in and says, hey, I'm Wendell. I don't know anybody here. You know, my allies are not playing, you know. But Wendell was very visible after the season. His season, our season ended. And he, it's it's you can't hide the fact that he knows a lot of the people out there. I mean, we we do so many events together, all of us. And every year I meet 10 new players, you know, pl- people that have played the game before. And that's just part of of being a person who's played Survivor. You just join this big family and it's it. You're embedded in it and you communicate with each other and there's there's just there's no way to avoid it. But like I said, I gave Wendell this advice and I said, just do yourself a favor. Don't get caught up in all the politics of pre-gaming. Just offer your services to whoever needs it. You know, stay on the side of the numbers. Be chill in the game and let the game come to you. Don't get wrapped up in this. And that ha- it appears to be a huge component of this season where they're talking about this poker alliance. Uh, that poker alliance is a joke. It's nothing. They played poker for three hours in L.A. at the Garden Casino one night for a poker after dark episode. It was nothing. I've spent more time with these people, you know, doing other charity events and things like that. So, but... I think what you you'll see is like Yule using that as yeah. his way to start a commotion and just planting the seed. Oh, I heard there's a poker alliance. What is that all about? I don't know. I don't. You guys want to talk about it? And then he steps away. That's Yule's gift. He's so good at that. Like with his very soft-spoken voice, he's so good at just planting seeds and getting people thinking. And he did a he did a great job because now. That's the only, that's the main topic of conversation is the poker alliance. It's so cool to hear you say that, Dom, because as some random guy that's watching the show, you can clearly see that the advice that you gave Wendell is playing out. I mean, it's him, Yule, and Sophie being the three people who are kind of like wild cards or random people who aren't really t- don't have other ties to the show, and they seem to be in the most dominant position on the tribe. So, absolutely. I, and, and again, it it could it. It could be coincidence. I'm sure Wendell's doing his own thing, too. It's not like he just listened to me and that's it. But he did come to me, like, just to say, Dom, I'm cautious of a returnee season because I know it's a different game. And what are your thoughts on certain, you know, certain things? And I told him, I said, I just think just be the free agent like you said and that's what you see has accumulated like you said with yule and sophie i think those all three of them like yule had really no major ties to anyone in this game like he's kind of been out of the survivor world you know where was he working google or facebook or wherever he was working so he's not thinking survivor he's thinking you know legitimate enterprises um and Sophie is just the type of person, she's just so smart, and she realizes that, like, all right, I'm not going to let Survivor define me as a person. Uh, I'm good with it. I played. I won. I'm good. So she's had relationships, but they're not – like, you don't see Sophie at all these events, mm-hmm. you know? And um, so that that is their strength. And to be able to use that against other players that do have these strong bonds, it's just another strategy. It's another strategy for a new type of season we have. You know what I mean? 
And I'm curious if it's going to have an effect on future returnee seasons. You know, is that going to be the thing, like the relationship aspect of it? And the reason why I think it's a joke, the, the pregame stuff, is because this is something I preach all the time. You can have all the pregame alliances you want, but the circumstances of the game will determine the decisions you're going to make. You know, so I could be best friends with Wendell. And if I go back in a season with Wendell and I'm in a situation where I can no longer work with Wendell. Sorry, buddy. We could be best friends. You're going home or you're not. You know, I'm going to do something to cut ties with you, because at the end of the day, everyone that's playing this game is a hardcore player. You know what I mean? They're not just fans. They're there to win. So you can have played poker with someone two years ago. That does not determine whether or not you're going to cut someone's throat or not. At the end of the day, you got to pay, get paid. That's it. You want the money. You do not care about past relationships. You care about winning the game. Yeah, absolutely. Um, one, one more question that I have um, about just the game in general right now. What is, what is your take on just ki- on a lot of these? Basically, they keep saying that they're trying to weaken Boston Rob by taking out his allies. And all these people are saying, are tweeting and stuff and saying, why not just take Boston Rob out? What's your take on that? Do you kind of understand reasoning or do you think that a lot of it is just not being shown in the in the edit? Um, it's probably a little bit not being shown, but I believe Boston Rob has an ability that nobody has. And I know because I met him. I've hung out with him in Reno. We played poker for a couple of days together. And I've spent Boston time Rob with him. all over the poker game. <laughs> oh, yeah. No, that's his gig outside of Survivor. <laughs> Sure. Yeah. Um, so we did um, we did a, an event called Run It Up Reno. So it was like a 10 yeah. day poker event. I only went there for like four or five days. Um, but what I'm trying to say about it is like my first conversation with him. Actually, my first conversation with him was earlier than that. It was a couple of months earlier in August for Wendell and Bryce's Philly poker event. So I I met him briefly, but I didn't really have quality time with him. That was like an introduction. But then in, in Reno, we hung out and we went to dinner together and we played blackjack together. And we really got to hang out. And the guy is very influential in his conversations. Like he has the ability to really put you on your toes. What Ben said in episode one. If you recall an episode one where Rob says was talking to Ben on the beach and Ben's like, I'm just saying I've heard your name. And and Rob was like, well, who was it? And Ben was like, "Uh, uh, uh," like he was like stumbling and he ended up just blurting it out because you he Rob has a confidence that you've never experienced in your life. When you're talking to him, he's just in complete control. He's completely calm and he does not get shook like you can't shake him up he's just he's cool you know what i mean and especially for people like us even you guys right i mean you're fans of the show you've seen every one of rob's seasons you've seen how he's evolved as a player you would be you would have a hard time talking to him i'm Mm -hmm. telling you you would have a hard time talking to him because you have a combination of being starstruck and also trying to find the right words to say to him that's not the same crap that everyone probably says to him. You know what I mean? Like, the first time I met him, like, I, what do I talk to him about? Like, what am I talking about, Survivor? Like, 
I, I don't want to do that. I want to do something different. So that's why the trip I took to Reno was a good experience because we got into a whole different conversation. We're talking about real estate. We're talking about this. We're talking about blackjack and gambling and poker. And so we got to like uh, I, I got to see a different side and have different conversations. But what I'm trying to say is that pertaining to the question of why are we taking out Rob's allies and not Rob is because I believe, honestly, there's an intimidation factor. If you botch this, you're done. You know what I mean? If you screw up this plan to take Rob out, consider yourself executed next. And that is a true fear that these people have out there. Me personally, I'm baffled that no one targeted him first. If you've seen past seasons of Rob, the number one confessional he has, or the number one thing he says in his first confessional on any other season is, if these people were smart, they would take me out first. But they're not, so they'll keep me here. And sure enough, it's the guy's fifth time playing. How do you leave him in the game? I do not understand it. But yeah. there's an intimidation factor. He's so goddamn good at it that if you don't do it right, you're out. So that's why they're taking out his body parts. They're taking off limbs. You know, One limb at a time, they're trying to cut him out of the game, but they want to make sure they are locked and loaded before they pull the trigger on taking him out. I do agree. I think that it's also impressive that he doesn't have a single vote against him yet either. Not only is he in the game, he has gotten zero votes against him. And I think that it comes back to the intimidation and confidence, but that's also why I think his alliance with Parvati is so good because Parvati is also constantly cited out of the game as so charismatic and such a good listener. So I think the two of them together is dangerous and that's why you lose their limbs in Ethan and Danny And I think it's actually really smart of these players like Michelle and Jeremy, because not only do you keep these big names as still targets, but you weaken them while keeping them in the game. So they're still shields, but they're a lot less effective as players moving forward without their soldiers. Absolutely. Couldn't have said it better. The only issue is you're afraid of a a swap. Yeah. Because if Rob is starting to lose his steam, he could regain traction in 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 a favorable swap. You know, so like... To com- I, it's, it's a poor comparison, but for me, I looked at in my season before the merge, after the first swap, I was, what are, I don't know how many swaps it was, but I had Bradley with me and you know, they made it seem like we voted Bradley out because um, he was like rude and obnoxious, but it was really a fear of mine that once we got to merge, he can gain traction again with Kellen and some of the people for my, for my, you know, in my game. And I, I feel like Rob will have the ability to do that. If he can get tied in with a couple of other old schoolers, he can like get that game, that flame going again and, and start to take out. And now he sees a theme. You know, now he's now he's like, oh, my God, they took out my wife, old schooler. You know, they're taking out all these people. And now they're really coming after the old schoolers. So I have to come up with a new method. I have to come up with a new game plan. So that's what he's decided. He's going to do. You're going to see like it's going to be old school versus new school now. Yeah. And I think the other tribe is going to see that a lot of the old schoolers are going home. And now that's going to start to raise questions in their mind. Even if they keep winning, you'll start to see different like um, di- dynamics start to form, I think. Yeah, for, for sure, definitely. Um, another, another thing is uh, just in, in terms of the old school versus new school, um, j- just like – I, I know, I know, I know. Um, that Ryan mentioned it before, but like, it definitely does 
benefit some people going forward to keep keep Robin as a shield. Um, but then you do you do fear that swap, which could ha- which we we were speculating that okay, if they swap into three tribes, it would make sense if they have one more episode to they bring it down to fifteen and then swap maybe into three tribes of five, or then or maybe go to fourteen, and then do two tribes of seven. I'm not I'm not, I don't know. I, I'm surprised it's actually taken this long for a swap. Well, not really, because um, you know the swap is really designed when when the game is really lopsided you know like that's where the first idea to have a swap came up back in like season two or, or I, I don't know i think it was as early as two where there's the first swap or was it africa it might i think it was africa, africa. it might have been africa um and i think it was just because there was so much domination on one side versus the other that they were like you know what, let's just mix this up a little bit so i think they mixed it up and that could still apply to even now at season 40. If they see an even elimination on both sides and it keeps two tribes balanced, they may stay that way. I mean, I have no idea. Um, if they're getting a lot out of the tribes, in other words, not just that there's a good balance, but if there's still a lot of conflict on both sides, you know, because at the end of the day, it's just got to be good TV. So if we're getting a lot of good dr- dramatic stories on both sides and it's staying pretty much balanced, you can expect those two things to stay the way they are because why ruin a good thing? You know, in my season, there was a lot of swaps because I remember like there was we the Navidi tribe dominated mm-hmm. and then like we'd have a swap and it just it was crazy. So you, that's the only purpose for these swaps. You could have a season where no swaps take place if the balance and the drama on both sides stays consistent. And this is a season where that could happen because you have such entertaining and captivating players on both sides. I mean, who's everyone that's left in the game is going to bring it. You know what I mean? So that, to me, is interesting to see when they're going to swap, how they're going to swap, and what kind of effect that will have. And obviously it all matters on where the numbers lie and did this person get uh, swap screwed or whatever you want to call it. But um, I'm curious to see the dynamic of the swaps this year because I think there might be a change in it just because of if if it's equal. What is the balance? What what do you guys know what the what the tribe eliminations have been at this point? Yeah, so Sele, which is the blue tribe, has won three out of four challenges. So they currently have nine people left. I'm, I'm sorry, sorry. Uh, Dakal is red. They've won three challenges, and blue tribe has only won one. So it's a nine to seven distribution right now. Okay, so I would say if that continues this week and it's the same tribe winning, then you can easily expect a swap the following mm-hmm. week. Um, but if they bring a little bit of balance to it, they might postpone it. You know what I mean? Again, it really depends on what's going on. But also, I mean, another thing to think about is, uh, well, it's really the content of, of of each tribe. Like I said earlier, if there's good drama, if there's good. It's really got to be good. To, like right now, how do you change? Like, I'm sorry, what's the red team? Decal? Decal, yeah. Watching Tony and that ladder scene. Yeah. I mean, why don't touch that? <laughs> What's going on there is amazing. And also there's a pretty cool secret scene that just came out of Wendell making this ring game. And I mentioned on Twitter a week ago 
Because in the last episode you saw, you see uh, Rob on his tribe playing with like this ring string thing and he hooks this thing. And I mentioned it on Twitter because Wendell and I, in my season, were, I was talking to him. I was like, oh, Wendell, you know, it would be cool if we did a game. And there's a game that they have at like this dude ranch I go to where like you have a ring and you tie a string to it. And you just throw it and you try to land the hook. Next thing you know, like he's building it out of fishing weights and he's designing this thing. And instead of doing like a small version of how I'm used to, he do a fishing line like over a tree, 25 feet in the sky. So instead of like a small game, that's usually like from here to five feet away. He turned it into a game that's like 25 feet away. And you're kind of like launching this this ring on a swing and it lands on this hook. And it was so entertaining that like even the production people that were out there watching us. When we weren't doing anything and just sitting around a fire, we would catch them playing the game. Like, that's how good it was. You know what I mean? So if you go to this secret scene from this season, you could see Wendell build the same game that we played. Um, so I highly recommend you do I mean, it's just, it really has nothing to do with the, the season in general. For me, it was like a, um, a really good moment to see that he brought this little piece of us back into his season. And... Tony loves it. Like you hear Tony like getting all into it. So it's just funny seeing them play the same game that we did. But like I was trying to say like you can't like break up the, the Tony thing when the, if he's doing good and he's bringing good TV to the to, to us at home. That's what that's what we watch, right? Like I'm on my couch. I can't get enough of this guy. I mm-hmm. can't get enough of him. He's so great. So I don't know the tribe swap thing. It's who the hell knows, but it could be anything. Mm-hmm. And what do you what do you think of the whole fire token edge of extinction type twist? At first, I thought it was going to be another gimmicky thing, like oh, like here we go again, like the medallion of power, which was so horrible. But I find it to be very interesting um, because it satisfies a lot of things. There was a lot of complaints that there's so many idols and advantages out there, and I. I guess it appears that there still is, but now it's like, it's a new way of going about it. I like that. Like you can't just find a legit idol at camp anymore. Like you have an idol, you find an idol, but it's, it comes with some type of issue. Like you have to, you have to give half of it. So you're basically telling the entire tribe that you have this thing because there's no way that that's going to stay a secret. Once you have to divulge that information, to another person on your tribe, I mean, maybe it'll stay secret for a little bit, but info like that doesn't stay quiet often, but this fire token economy, it's great because if they're going to have edge of extinction, they've created a new way to play the game over there. Right. And Natalie is killing it over there. She's figured out a way to like, dominate edge of extinction she's like the mayor of edge of extinction and she has intel from being there first that nobody else has i mean it's starting to catch on that there's these challenges every day and you got to find something but she's doing it great and she's figured out a way to hide all of her knowledge and the things that she's found nobody knows anything she has nothing the question is what is she trying to accomplish is she trying to earn enough tokens so that she can earn buy a jar of peanut butter or it sounds to me i mean she's a gamer right we know natalie's not just gonna use this so she can get shelter she's gonna use it so she can figure out a way to get herself back into the game so it sounds like if you have enough fire tokens you can earn an advantage to get back into the game and we know how that works right we saw that uh two seasons ago right two seasons ago so yeah um at i was it at the merge to get a chance to come back in the game 
or at Final Six or both? Do you remember? It was what that both was? back in that season. It was both. So it was merge and Final Six to get another crack at it. Mm-hmm. So we'll probably see at the merge where Natalie gets an opportunity, maybe, or maybe they're going to push it out till just the end or whatever it is. I personally think it should only be at the merge. I agree. And we shouldn't see it again because that's. I mean, I don't know how you feel about the Chris Underwood victory. I mean, I know it's left a, a sour taste in a lot of people's mouths. So I would like to see it earlier in the game. So this way it's kind of like a fair shake. But who knows? You know, we don't know what they're going to do. Um, what do you guys think? Uh, of the getting back into the game? Well, the whole fire token economy thing, you know. I think it's – I think I agree with you, Dom. I think that at first I was really skeptical, but now I think it's a really interesting twist of not only playing the game on Extinction, but also knowing who to give the advantage to. It's not like, oh, the whole tribe sees this advantage and the first one to buy it gets it. It's you have to target who will get it. So I think Natalie not only has dominated the challenge portion of it, but she's also dominated the who to give it to. So she gives her ally, Jeremy – safety without power because she knows hey if he goes to the tribal he might need safety she gives sandra an idol because sandra is a big target sandra might need an idol and then she gives sarah the chance to sneak into camp because she knows sarah is a big player who takes big risks so i like how she's playing the challenges but targeting the right people to give right. these like, so her decisions are calculated she's not just exactly. randomly picking someone but think about something else you brought up a good point not only is she think she's giving these advantages to players in the game so if and when she does come back in the game, she's going to have a lot of intel just based on things she's given away to people, right? And if you combine that with intel she's getting from players who just got executed and are now joining her, I mean, that's got to be the number one thing they do, right? Like Ethan shows up to camp, uh, to Island of Extinction. The first thing he does is sits around the fire and says, here's what happened. Here's what's going on at camp. This one's targeting these people because of this is the so natalie is not only hearing those stories but she has that additional edge because she's the one giving tools to people in the game still so she's got a huge advantage oh even over people that are still in the game she knows a lot more than people that are even in the game right now and now if you combine that with bringing in a you know economic value through fire tokens on top of it who the hell knows what she can buy it's crazy it's i mean a lot of people aren't happy that it's taking away from the main game because there's so many great players in the main game but if you think about it luckily it's a returnee season and we don't mind going to island of extinction because we still get to see the people we love you know what i mean right so I personally like the fire token twist. I wish that it was more toward the lines of Redemption Island so you can see them kind of duking it out every single time. But, yeah, I like it. I like how Natalie's played the game. Um, and obviously, the producers needed to milk as much airtime as possible out of these players because, I mean, as that's you said... The, that's the, the only reason why. I don't think you're going to see uh, Island of Extinction ever again unless it's a returnee season. I, I think that's the only reason to have it is just so that the fans that want to see their favorite players, they're not bummed out because Amber got voted out in week one. You know what I mean? All right, we still get to see Amber. We were, we've been waiting years to, to see what's been going on in her life. Now we, we could continue to get a, a piece of her emotions through the show, even though she's not in the game. Exactly. That's, I mean, that's it. That's mm-hmm. all it's for. 
that's the only reason. And it, it and it does keep people in the main game on their toes as well because now there's this whole element you don't know what's going on. They're starting to understand that this fire token thing is more than just buying a tarp. You know, I mean, the people that know, know. The people that don't, don't. But um, this is where true creativity comes into play. You know, when you're in the game and none of this fire token stuff exists, all you have out there are regular idols and the ability to make a fake idol and see if you can get really crafty with it. And what can I do to fool somebody or can I bluff someone? Now you have all these additional things to use as tools to get creative. And you could be like, oh, yeah, I, you know, I bought an idol with fire tokens. Like, oh, really? You did? Like, yeah. What? You don't believe me? You just don't know anymore because there's all this whole extra element of this uh, unknown quantity that you've never experienced before as a player or seen on television. The first time they've introduced it. So you just don't know what to expect. So I just think it's, a, it's an opening for people to get more creative. And the good players will use it to their advantage to really make, you know, an impression on the season. Mm-hmm. For sure. Um, so another question I have. So I know it's very early. I know that it's hard to judge so far. But if you had to pick, if you had to predict a winner at this point, do you have it or no? It's way too early. But, I mean, if you're going off the information we have right now, like you said, like the Sophie Yule Wendell threesome playing solid and on the other side i would say like the jeremy michelle ben because they all seem to just those like that's those are the three packs on both sides to me that seem to be like all right we're doing all right we're not rocking the boat too much we're picking and choosing our spots when we need to it seems very calculated on both sides with those three so it's going to be for me it would be somewhere in there obviously i'd love to see wendell win again um but you you know it's just there's way too much to go. So when you think you have a handle on the game, it slips out out of your fingers in a, in a second. And most of the time, the reasoning for that is a swap. Yeah, and, and I think that Wendell actually is in a really good spot. Um, I think he's well insulated because right now the no connection alliance of him, Yule, Sophie, and Nick is in control of the tribe. But in case there's even a flip and Tyson goes to Sandra, Tony, and Sarah and flips against that group, I think you're looking at maybe a Yule or a Sophie going out. I think Wendell's well-insulated there. Wendell obviously is, you know, well-liked, and he's still seen as the builder, which people rely on him for that. And then even in the puzzle, I, I said this to the guys in the podcast, but I like how even though he's not the one doing the puzzle, you see, you know, Sophie and Sarah working on it, he's still helping them out. So he's still helping his tribe win, but he's not putting himself on the pedestal saying, I'm the one solving these puzzles. So I think that he's in a good spot overall. Yeah, one of Wendell's gifts I remember like when it came challenge time and I was up against him and certain things like, all right, endurance stuff, I can hold my own. You know, I'll be out there all day with you. You want to hold a, a rock? I'll hold a rock till midnight. But anything visual was always his jam. So him looking at things. So if you if you I mean, there was one puzzle he did lose when we were still t- before it was individual. And it was uh, him and Laurel doing like this pyramid type thing. But after that, anything pertaining to puzzles and visual type games, he dominated everybody every time. And I always told him, I'm like, you got to teach me what that is. I need to know what that is because I look at it and I see nothing. And you look at it and you see something. So that's what's 
that's what's great about what he did this this week is that he didn't step up as puzzle maker in the event that they did lose. You can't blame him for it, but he was a great assistant. He was a great support system for them while they were doing it. And he does have that ability to see things that other people aren't seeing. And that's 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 that comes out in his work. If you see some of the tables he's built and some of the furniture he's built. I remember being in the sh- in the game with him and he's just like he took. We got uh, rice delivered in a potato sack. We actually negotiated for rice the same way Angelina did, but they didn't show it. And they delivered us a huge potato sack of rice. And once that bag was emptied, he just took this bag that I would have just thrown in the fire. And he made a like the sickest knapsack out of it. I mean, with <laughs> with pockets on it and all these little trinkets. And he put his company logo on it, all through like just sewing things into it. And what I saw as garbage, he saw as a treasure. And that's like something he brought home with him, as like a, you know memorabilia from his time on Ghost Island. And I'm like, I don't think that way, you know. So the way he sees things is going to be a huge asset to him in the game. Besides his likability and his ability to be chill and build things for people around camp, make camp life more comfortable. Um, That's his gift. And that's why he'll do well in this game. But if people start to catch wind that he's going to be tough to beat at the end, that's where he's going to have trouble. So who else are you guys thinking uh, for making it to the finals? You know, you can't really predict a winner, but who do you think you'll see at the end? So personally, um, I see that Yule's getting a pretty favorable edit, a lot of screen time, and as you said, he's in the dominant alliance. That being said, I think that they're setting him up to be like a kind of devastating blindside toward the end. That's just my kind of crazy fan mind thinking. Right. But if I had to pick someone right now, I think it would be Jeremy. A great pick. I, great I, pick. Agree, I agree with that also. Um, but one of the things that I, that I, and I know we mentioned this before, but like, if you look at the game Jeremy played in season 31, he kept all the great players in as long as possible. And it helped him because just for some reason, like when there's that many great players and that many targets, just nobody looks at Jeremy as a target, even though I feel like if I was out there, I would. Um, and I feel like just the way that the vote outs have been and his position on the tribe right now, I think he's just, he's, he's in a great spot right now. Also. I was worried the way Rob threw his name out pretty early. I was like, Whoa. Yeah, yeah. I, I mean, he. Good thing that they decided on Natalie instead of him. That might have been strategic that he threw his name out though, too, because just because technically Jeremy would have been part of the Poker Alliance because he was at that game. So maybe Rob's trying to show that there's not a relationship there by throwing his name out. I don't know. That's just a you know a guess on my part. Um, but and also the poker talk wasn't really on that tribe, right? It was all in the other tribe. So that might not be the case. But I was surprised to hear Jeremy's name come up so early because Jeremy has a lot of those characteristics that Wendell does where he is very chill. He's very calm. I've hung out with Jeremy, and you just love the guy. You know, he's just such a good dude to be around. So to have his name thrown out early, I was pretty surprised as well. I also think that there's a a relationship possibly between Rob and Jeremy that they're not showing a lot of because I don't know if you remember, but when – but when – Rob came up to Jeremy and Michelle when they were discussing things like Jeremy like gave him a wink and was like like I know, like they said they seemed like they're on the same page even though they're in kind of opposite alliances so I think that's something to watch out for going forward I just think Rob is smart enough to know 
that Jeremy is smart enough to know (laughs) not to keep robbing the game. Right. You know what I mean? So there could be whatever foundation is there and like the winks could be this thing, but Rob will never trust Jeremy in this game. There's certain players Rob will feel comfortable with, but Jeremy he'll never feel comfortable with because Rob's smart enough to know that Jeremy's smart enough. It sounds weird, but it's the truth, you know? Yeah, like, these people that's are, one of Rob. Uh, that's one of Rob's greatest qualities. Yep. He's such a good read of people. Like he can, he'll he knows if you're gonna stab him in the back three weeks from now. You know what I mean? He just knows. Like I could tell that you'll you're good with me now, but I could tell we're gonna have a problem later. You know, and he won't tell you that, but he knows it. You know what I mean? So he's already thinking that about certain players. So if he's throwing a Jeremy out there early, it's because he knows that Jeremy is in his pocket now. But Jeremy's going to give him trouble later. So he's fine with getting rid of Jeremy now. You know what I mean? That's how you have to play the game. That's also, like I said, that that also pertains to the game I played when I got rid of Bradley. You know, I threw that challenge to get Bradley out before the merge because if he got back with these, this and this person, it's not going to affect me at merge day. It's going to affect me when there's eight of us left or seven of us left. Then I'm going to be in a situation where I am outnumbered. So... That's how Rob plays his game. He sees certain people and he's like, you know, it'd be a lot easier just to get rid of you now. So I'll have to deal with you later. But it's tough because everyone this season is a contender. It's not like going to Redemption Island and having three girls at the age of 22 who are scared of their own shadow and you are a father figure to them and they will do whatever you tell them. You know what I mean? Versus a bunch of players that are like, Yo, we ain't putting up with that. You know what I mean? So it's crazy. So he has to adapt to this new environment, an environment he's not used to of people that are not going to take his shit. But they still are because they're afraid of him because he's the godfather. (laughs) It's crazy. It's so crazy. Everybody on the island right now is playing at a completely different level. Obviously, some playing that are operating on a higher level because obviously, as you said, Rob is just a a completely different animal. But yeah, the other thing and the other thing, I'm sorry, but the other thing, like I think of myself, if I was out there, like I would want to be the guy that dethroned him. Oh, 100 percent. You know what I mean? I would be like, yo, who, Rob, who? No, no, no. The real Godfather's here now. I say that from sitting here on my couch. But then when you're out there, you're like, uh, actually, the most important thing is the money. So if that means I got to be buddies with him for another three days, I want to be buddies with him. So you can say that you feel one way until you're out there dealing with him and he's putting the pressure on you and he's looking you in the face and he's saying, talk to me. What's going on? I feel like we don't have a good thing. You know, now you're, uh, I'm sorry, whatever you need, sir, whatever you need. You know what I mean? So he has that power over people. Believe me, it's not a fake thing. It's a real thing. A million percent. I'm sitting there on the couch screaming at the TV, but at the end of the day, I can only hope to be on the show, which brings me to a question I've been dying to ask you before we wrap up. I see that you are critiquing people's audition tapes. I actually just submitted my audition tape probably a week and a half ago. I'm curious what kind of tips you have for people like me that would literally do anything to get on the show. Yeah. Um, Yeah. I, I came about doing that kind of by accident. Um, you know, this thing cameo that exists where people give like these messages. And I always thought the cameo thing was a little tacky. I was like, <laughs> I saw some of my friends doing it. I was like, oh, come on, man. Times aren't that tough, are they? Like, you got to do these cameos. <laughs> I 
But then I was approached by Cameo, and they're like, um, listen, are you interested in doing this? I'm like, I'm like, not really. Like, why? They're like, well, we think you'd do well with it. A lot of your Survivor buddies are on it, and we think you'd do well with it. And I was like, all right, but I have to do it in a way that, you know, I'm comfortable with. Like, I'm not all, hi, it's dumb. For, like, I'm going to give you an authentic message. It's going to be a little edgy and choppy, and you might not like it. You might be a little insulted, but that's me, and I'm not going to do some fake uh, version of me. You know what I mean? So so I started doing a cameo thing, and I remember, like, my second or third request, a girl asked me. She's like, look, this is a little unconventional. She's like, but would you mind, like, watching my video and critiquing it? And that'll be my cameo. And I was like, yeah, why not? I'll do, I'll do whatever you want. You're paying me. I'll do it. So I ended up doing it. And I remember while I was doing it, I was like, I'm, like, really into this. Like, I want to help this girl. Like, I want to get this girl cast. And I want, like, to know that she got cast because I did this for her. You know, it's, it's less of a, a thing for me. But I just really got into it. And then when I was done doing it, I was like, wait, why don't I just do those more? You know, there's a huge demand well, there's a huge number of people trying to get on the show these days because it is a once-in-a-lifetime experience. You know, you're, it's something you'll never do. Like, you just can't compare it to anything you've ever done in your life. And I look at it as if it could help you and help me, why not give it a shot? So then I sent out like a little clip saying, look, if you're interested in me critiquing your video, and now this is the part two, I feel tacky asking for money to do it. But the truth of the matter is, I don't have time to critique everyone's video. I have a family. I have a job. So if you're willing to pay a few bucks, I'll do it. Because that's the only way I can justify to my family that I'm not spending time with them. At least I'm earning for the family. So my wife and family agreed to that. And I was like, look, I'll put it out there. Probably I won't get any bites. But it is what it is. If we, Even if I do one or two a week, that's great. It's side change. And at the end of the month, Maybe I can make a car payment, you know? That's how I looked at it. I wasn't anything I planned on really pushing hard. And then all of a sudden, I got an influx of in, of people who were interested. <laughs> I mean, overwhelming influx of people to the point where it's kept me very busy. Um, and what I ended up doing now is because a lot of people want to have more than just this message from me they want to have interaction with me so i said look i could do it one of two ways i could send you a cameo message which is a feedback message or we could interact through skype and we'll just do skype so that's what i do now so basically if you go on like my twitter or my instagram i think i don't think i post anything on my instagram about it. i did a video about something but if you go on my twitter it's you know it talks about how let's have an open discussion let me tweak it let me critique it and um and that has been overwhelming even while we did this podcast i could see my phone lighting up with people like yeah i'm sending my stuff so um, that's great um so if we're going to talk in general terms though what are some basic tips for people who are thinking about doing the show and this doesn't only apply to survivor it could be big brother or really any show other than like the bachelor like i might not be the guy to tell you how to get on the bachelor um but the number one thing that i see the number one mistake i see people do is they get on and they're like Hey, doing? My name's Dom, and I'm applying for Survivor. I'd be the best person for Survivor because I'm a people person, and I would be amazing on Survivor because I'm a risk taker, 
and I'm social. At my job, I have to deal with like 80 people a day. So I am like social wizard. I can get through any discussion. And I'm also a trial attorney on weekends. So I'm really good at manipulating people. And this is like this same script that like 99.9% of people give. And it's kind of like when a casting associate sees that introduction. It's like, okay, next. Like, they don't even, like, they don't care. Another huge mistake people make is to express their survivor fandom, right? Like, you have no idea. I have every season, and I have every buff, and I've watched every episode, and you cannot believe I know every fact of every show and it is critical if you get me out there, I'll play it better than anyone because no one knows this game better than me. That's mistake number two. Eh, nobody cares. Here's what they want to see. There's three basic things you want to do. You want a well-lit facility. Like, all right, this is weird where I am right now. But, you know, get really good lighting and, and be kind of as close as we are right here to open up your video, you know. And be talking to the camera and, you know, and be interactive with the person that you you don't know who's going to be watching it. So give it a general concept. And the key is that you have to really wow them in the first, you know, it used to be you have to wow them in the first 30 seconds, but it's actually much quicker than that. You really have to open up your video. It's kind of like a, a rule of thumb, I say. Think about if you're watching someone and like after the first 10 seconds of that person speaking, you want it so that the person watching your video has to see the next 10 seconds and that they have to see the next 10 seconds after that. So it really has to be captivating out of the gate and really has to be good energy. You want to show that like you're not this robot guy who's from Kentucky and I'm going to be real good on the show because I'm a Survivor fan and Boston Rob is my favorite player. You know what I mean? That is eh, get that out of there. Bring it. Come into the camera. Big high energy. Hey, what's up? Here's who I am. And let me tell you a story. Two weeks ago, I was at the mall. Some crazy guy came running over, and he tried to push my mom onto the floor. So sure <laughs> enough, I beat his. You know, so that's what I'm saying. Don't come in with that conventional <laughs> opening. Hi, my name is this. No, come in hot. Come in on fire. And just blow a story right out of the gate. Don't worry about telling you about your accomplishments in life out of the gate. That's not important. We get it. You've been to college, and now you work in a fish market. All right. If that is a part of who you are and it defines you, I encourage you to say those things. But say those things at the end of your video. Come into the video hot, high energy, <clears throat> great storytelling. I think the most important thing is the style in which you tell a story. If you can talk to somebody and just keep them completely captivated, where they just have to hear the next thing that comes out of your mouth. That is what you're looking for because that's the person, that's the guy or girl that while you're sitting on your couch watching Survivor, you're saying, I get it. That guy, I get what he's saying. I can relate to him. I can relate to her. She needs to do that. Why isn't she doing that now? She knows she needs to do it. She should do it. And that is what creates a cast. When you find people that you can relate to that are likable, but you're not going to want to see Joe from Montana grew up on a cattle farm and really loves Survivor because that, <laughs> I don't get that guy. 
That guy <laughs> bores the shit out of me. Doesn't mean you can't be from Montana or from a cattle farm, but shit, I want to hear some stories about how you clean cow shit with your bare hands and then threw it on your brother's face. Give me something like that. <laughs> Don't tell me your your job resume because this is not a job interview. This is a character interview. So let's see what kind of a character you are. So this is a general idea of advice I give to people when they're making their video. Take a different approach. Try to do it in a way that is different from 99.9% .9 of the people that do do it. Do it different. That's how you'll capture the casting associate's attention. And then if you have good storytelling abilities, that's how you'll keep their attention. And then if you have good story content, they'll just think this is a guy that's guy or girl that's been through some shit. So that might come out on screen one day. So that's pretty much it in a nutshell. I try to lead people down the storytelling path because the, the, the resume and the Survivor fandom stuff really is secondhand. It's important to include those things, but I would save that shit for the back. In other words, I might even spend the entire three minutes not telling them any of that stuff and just tell an amazing story that actually like, just has them like completely floored and captivated. And I'd be like, oh, my name's Dom, by the way, and this is my phone number. Bye. And then they're like, wait, 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 I need to know more about Dom. What does he do for a living? Oh, all of a sudden, oh, hi, Dom, who are you? Oh, oh, you want to know about me? Oh, that's what I'm saying. Don't give them stuff they're not asking for yet. Give them the stuff they're asking for when they call you. For now, give them goddamn good story. If that makes sense. <laughs> no, I have two takeaways from that. One, I'm screwed for this casting season. <laughs> <laughs> And two, I want to edit this out so I can do some insider trading on this. <laughs> so take my advice. If you have a video that you submitted recently that is those things I told you not to do, start fresh. I believe me. I'm I have conversations with my casting associate about it. She's like, you'll know in 10 seconds if someone's got it or not. And it, again, a lot of it has to do with style points. You know what I mean? So if you feel like you've done something that is very cookie cutter based on what I just told you, most likely that's what happened. And it doesn't make you uncastable because I suffered from it also. I know I applied three or four times over the course of 10 years. And I got really lucky on my fourth time. And the only reason why I did, and I hope you don't mind me cursing, but I had a bucket attitude. I'm going to just do <laughs> some crazy shit. And I think like the attention getting phone call video was just me complaining about sitting in traffic and I, I I didn't bring up survivor at all I was like oh. I traffic on the Long Island Expressway this is my miserable life someone needs to come get me I can't <laughs> do this anymore so that was what initiated my first phone call but then the casting associate said okay that was funny you got our attention but we need a legitimate video we need to know who you are and I was like, okay, no problem. I got to go. Hung up the phone, and I whipped up something so fast because I was afraid if I didn't get something back to them, like, in the, in, in the next three hours, that I was going to lose my chance. So I didn't prep anything. I didn't put any time or effort into it at all, and I created this huge piece of garbage, three-minute video that was the worst thing you could ever imagine. It's so bad. And sure enough... I got no phone call after I submitted it. 
So I was bummed and like a week went by and I was like, what the hell? And I'm watching the video and I'm replaying it. I'm like, this is so bad. What the hell was I thinking? So what did I do? I created another video and it was me ranting into the camera to the casting associate. And I'm saying, how dare you get my hopes up, ma'am? You should be ashamed of yourself. I worked my ass off. You get my hopes up like that? And then you just ignore me? I don't like people like you. Sure enough, my phone rang five minutes later. She said, oh, you got my attention again. Now, don't rush it. Go home and make me the video I'm asking you for. Don't worry. I know who you are. So I went home that night, and a bunch of my buddies were going out for a beer. And they're like, Dom, we're going out for a beer. And I said, not tonight, guys. Not tonight. So I stayed home, I put the kids to bed, I put my wife to bed, and I set up shop in my well-lit kitchen. And I created something that if I was to grade it today, I'd give it a C-. minus. But it was still pretty good. And it was still good enough to where she called me the next day and said, you got it. You figured out what I wanted, and I appreciate it, and I'm going to run it by Jeff and everyone, and we'll see if we're going to bring it out to L.A. And sure enough, I got a call to go out to L.A., and I did that whole thing, and then I got cast for the show. So I, the point I'm trying to make is it's not just yes or no. Sometimes it's no, 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 and it's up to you to figure out a way to maneuver your way into it and really polish your video. I mean – the number one thing I also tell people to do is once you've found that story that you want to tell in your video, do it. Do it into the camera, right? It's like rehearsing for public speaking, let's say, all right? I would recommend you tell your story into the camera, record it. After you're done recording it, go back, watch it. Write down on a pad and pen. That part was terrible. Take that out. This part was good. Make sure when you do it again, you talk about that again. Okay, this part was good. This part was dull and boring, and it, I fell asleep watching it. So now when you do take two, now you know what not to talk about and what points you are going to talk about and how to really highlight them and enhance them. And it's all right if you kind of fib a little bit in your story, if it means you're going to tell a better story. You can Everyone exaggerates a little bit to really bring good content to their story, make, you know, their storytelling. So you'll actually go through that process. I don't know. Some people do it in five takes. I think I remember doing it, you know, at least 15 times where I did this whole take. And I'm like, most of it was good, but that last 25 seconds sucked. Try it again. Do it again. And now it's like the intro kind of sucked. It was a little bit weak this time, but this, the ending of it was good. So now you like cut and paste these little pieces. And I don't mean cut and paste, like actually piece them together in your video because it's so much more effective if you could do it smooth, natural flow. You know what I mean? You don't want it to look like, oh, you, you said this piece really good. So, you, you know, you cut and paste your whole video together. You can cut and paste some of it. You know, you're going to throw a clip of your physical abilities towards the end. That's another thing I say. Make sure your video is not just this. Make sure you do include, if you are a swimmer, show yourself for 10 seconds swimming just so they see kind of what they're working with. You know, um, but like I said, do that rehearsal over and over and over again. And by like the 15th time, you'll think you're going into another rehearsal of it. 
but you'll be so polished that it comes out so goddamn good. And you're just like, oh, no, 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 no. Don't touch a thing. We got it. It's perfect. It's ready for submission. And that is when you feel really good about your video and you're like, I got this shit. So I tell the people that I've been working with through this consultation thing um, is, you know, we'll do a Skype or we'll do a feedback video. And I'm not just going to abandon you after that. You've paid your fee. Send me your final product and I'll still let you know how good it is or what's still lacking in it. And it's been really good. It's been a it's been very uh, it's been a good relationship with myself and a lot of survivor hopefuls and I actually did a few big brother people you know i i mean i watch occasionally I, big brother's hard for me i try it's it's a tough show for me to watch but it doesn't matter they're still looking for the same type of people for big brother that they are for survivor they're looking for someone that's going to be great television someone that's going to really be relatable to someone sitting on the couch so i tell them look any reality tv show you're trying to get on if you need help i'm here for you Except for like The Bachelor. I don't want no part of that. I don't know. I mean, I guess I could still do that as well. I could still teach you how to st tell stories. But at the end of the day, I can't tell you how to be handsome and suave around the ladies because my wife hates me. So, <laughs> no. um, so that's pretty much uh, pertaining to that uh, when it comes to getting cast for the show. Those are the couple of items I would highlight. I don't know if that's – does that sound – like it makes sense to you guys or yeah for sure <laughs> i've got some work to do <laughs> yeah <laughs> we all do don't worry about it one one last question here before sure, we absolutely. wrap up and i'm sure i know the i'm sure that all of us that i know the answer to this prior but let's say they called you tomorrow and they said you want to come back on what's your answer where's my flight ticket there we where's... go <laughs> i'd love to hear no it. Question about it it's weird you don't just think of it like i i Everyone goes through their own experience and anyone that has not won the game, no matter where you finish in the game, whether it be runner up or you went out first, you all have your woulda, shoulda, coulda moment that kind of you fall asleep to every night. You know what I mean? You always tell yourself, oh, why did I do that? Why didn't I take Wendell on fire? If I would have done that and beat him, I have a million and he doesn't. So you have these moments. So regarding me going back, I always look at it like I left 900 grand out there and I got to go get it. You know what I mean? Like that's like my number one thing. And I love the fucking game. Like I love to play the game. It's really, I mean, I highly recommend it. <laughs> it's, it's so fun. And the, the whole process is fun from casting to your audition week to this very several layers to the show where you just go through the waiting period for it to air. And you and your entire cast are on these group chats like, oh, my God, 142 more days. You know, it's silly, but it's it's daunting the weight is daunting because you just want to scream from the, the rooftop i'm gonna be on next season you know um <laughs> so it's the, so that's another phase to the show and then it airs and now you have 300 of your closest friends family and you know everyone watching with you at a bar in smithtown at your local tavern you know what i mean and you have a good moment and 300 people cheer for you. It's like you're being you're watching the Super Bowl 
but instead they're cheering for you. And again, it's not like an ego thing, but it's a holy shit moment. It's like, holy shit, I'm here watching myself on TV with all my friends and we're rooting for me right now. And it's just, it's the weirdest experience in the world. <laughs> but it yeah. is amazing. I highly recommend it. Thank, so, thank, you so, thank you so much for coming on. Absolutely, guys. Thanks for having me. I really appreciate you inviting me on. And uh, yeah, I hope we get to talk again soon. And make sure you send me your video when it's ready. There we oh, go. You know it. Right? I want to see it. And I'll, I'll, I'll rip you apart. I have no problem doing that. I say it how it is. <laughs> I appreciate that. Please tear me apart. <laughs> all right, guys. Be well. Let me get my kids to bed because we all have school tomorrow. <laughs> all right, yeah, thanks, Tom. Thanks, thanks so much. See you. See you Thank you.